Hey, what's going on, guys? Dom the Movie Nerd here, and have you heard the good word? Game of Thrones is back! Well, not really, but the first official spinoff, House of the Dragon, is set to premiere next year on HBO, and that got me thinking about how Game of Thrones, the number one most-watched show for a decade, just seemingly disappeared from the culture after that god-awful finale. And I wanted to find out why, which is why I'm proud to present the newest hit show from the Talking TV network, Talking Thrones, the new weekly show where myself and friend of the channel, Professor Pat Huber, get together to break down each and every single episode of this hit show. We've got focus character segments, we break down the lore, we go over some old reviews, all to get to the question of where did this show go wrong? It's a really fun time. You guys are not going to want to miss this. So head over to the Talking TV channel on YouTube and Spotify to check it out. We go live every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Audio goes up the following Saturday. It's going to be a really great time as we once again battle it out for the throne. All right, people, it's the triumvirate here. Myself, Chris, back together going live on a Monday with our resident Marvel head here, Matt, for Basic Entertainment, back together again after what seems like forever. I wish we were talking about a better movie just in general, but hey, you know, it happens as far as bringing us together because we're here to talk about the what is turning out to be quite a topic of conversation just in the world of media and pop culture space. None other than Marvel's Eternals. It is breaking big at the box office, not so big in the hearts of critics. Guys, Guys, you got anything to say before we get this started? What? A Marvel film being a topic of conversation? Shocker. Right? Um, I appreciate you not burying the lead there on that one, Dom. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's always good to get our biases up front and out. So, hey, maybe we'll change them by the end of this conversation. But I mean, we're going to introduce... with you, so... Yeah, we're going to reintroduce our friend Matt here after this intro. Stay tuned. He's got a great channel that's going on. And I know it's been a while since he's told you about it live. So, all that and more. See you in a few. Oh, man, it is good to be back with you two just in general. Chris, I mean, it's crazy because, like, obviously we're going to talk about this movie just in general. But I feel like I've heard everybody else's reactions to it except yours because, like, I saw this movie on Friday, right? Pretty much the entire crowd that I saw it with had the exact same reaction as me just after we came out, right? It was a topic conversation we were talking about all day Saturday. I saw Pat last night. Well, I will for Talking Thrones, was talking with him about it for a brief minute, was just talking with Matt before you got on the channel. So, like, Chris, you're, like, the first person who, who, like, I haven't heard your thoughts from about Eternals just directly. But before we get started, man, like, how you been? Like, you took a week off just in general. I feel like it's been a minute since I've seen you. Yeah, yeah, no, it certainly has. Um, I do miss these live streams. It's always nice when we get to get one going. And thanks again to Matt for being willing to come on. A little bit of a last-minute schedule change there, but we're making it happen for you guys. Because, yeah, we, we love this community and I certainly miss it. And it's uh, it's not that I'm not here. I mean, I'm, I'm here weekly. It's just weird not going live, not being able to communicate with you guys. But we're figuring things out behind the scenes. We're going to be getting back to somewhat of a more healthy schedule like we've once had. And not even that you guys know that we haven't had one, but that's just how much we care. You know, even when things look good up front, we're working to make them better behind the scenes. And yeah, I mean, so I've been busy, but I'm excited to be here tonight. I'm excited to chat Marvel and Eternals and, and the future as well is bright going into 2022 for the podcast. And someone else who has a great channel that's really crushing it. I just looked, you just started this channel like five months ago and you're already almost at like 8,000 views, man. Like Matt, tell us about this past year talk a little bit about like the rebrand the rechannel the re you know the remaking of the channel and how things have been going before we jump in and chat all things eternals yeah it's uh you know it's good not to have a grit on your mind it's good that that's not holding you back from your craft so i went ahead and just said hey let's make a new channel uh get the same amount of views same amount of people sticking around um still striking at this you know social media stuff you guys can also catch me on tiktok i've been really active on there um but yeah, man, I'm hey, it's great to be back here. Thanks for you know inviting me, of course. Love to talk about Chris's favorite franchise, Marvel Studios. <laughs> and um, 
ready to talk about Eternals. At least you caught on to it, finally. Definitely. Of course, Eric Thorpe in the chat already breaking down his thoughts. Yeah, Eric was definitely making his thoughts a little well-known last night. And now we can officially get into it. Like I said, this has been a topic of no surprise conversation, but not necessarily the conversation that everyone was thinking about it, right? Obviously, the big stance, the big statement, the big like kind of talking point going into this latest installment of the MCU. This is installment number, I'm trying to do the math now, seven of nine MCU products that we're getting in one calendar year, which is still baffling to say the least, which just shows the amount of content that they've been able to throw at us. And the reviews coming out of this early were interesting and divisive to say the least. Obviously, we knew that we were in for quote-unquote a different sort of a Marvel movie than we've really gotten before. Whether that actually is the case, obviously, you will see that in our reviews. Ultimate, obviously, you know, they had Chloe Zhao directing this fresh off of her win last year for Best Director for Nomadland as well as for Best Picture. You've got a massive sprawling scope, a massive cast. These are all completely new original characters. You're being introduced to yet another kind of different sect of the MCU that you haven't been introduced to before. Obviously, this is per probably, for my money at least, the biggest attempt that they at like a new sort of a movie and a new sort of a tone that they've done probably since the first guardians of the galaxy so like just brief thoughts before we actually like start to break down the movie before we get into it um matt i want to start with you first yeah you're talking about the you know the reviews coming out shocking to a lot all of, people. of the above all of the above the reviews and just kind of basic opening premise just in general yeah I'll be honest with you guys. When I saw those Rotten Tomatoes scores, you know, hit that green section, I was excited. I was like, okay, the mass majority not liking it. This might be a, a new step for, you know, MCU when it comes to creatively how they make their films. And it looked it looked like that from the trailers. Um, and I was excited for it. And I would say I saw what they were doing. But it's the it's that execution we're talking about, Dom. It's not pitch perfect in this one. Yeah, to say the least. Damn, I did not expect Matt to say that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're <laughs> all throwing right, all sorts enough. of surprises at the wall now. Chris, let's hear it. I've been waiting all week for your take on this. Yeah, sure. I mean, I stopped really taking critical analysis too heavily. I still listen to my fair share of like YouTubers and all that because like obviously I, I enjoy the medium I'm in. So I, I want to consume as much as I want to create, but I never really take those guys too seriously. You know, it's more fun. It's more just to like get a different perspective on like a, a minor plot point or something. Cause I, I feel they're all so bought and paid for it by these big companies at this point. It's, and even if they're not, it's hard to think that they're not just by some of their takes, uh, you know? And so with that being said, I, the, the, the scores didn't dissuade me or, or lead my thinking in any direction. I was just like, okay, cool. And, uh, so Rotten Tomatoes, something I really don't care about is saying this, but people always care about it. So I'll, I'll watch like a John Campia video on it just to keep up to date with the news. It's fun for me, like I said, but I, I, I am the kind of consumer who would hope that consumers would treat his art in the same sense. Like I would never want someone to judge one of my songs before hearing it. Right. Don't go off what you heard someone say about it, go off what you heard in the song. And so that's, a, I try to bring that level of respect to, uh, to anyone, especially Chloe Zhao, who made one of the most influential movies, at least I've ever seen from my life. I, I said famously about Nomadland, I loved it so much that I hated it to my core and I can never see it again because of how much I loved it. Cause it's just such like a hard movie to watch. And it's because it's so goddamn effective. And so I was giving this one a real shot. And I went in, not high hopes, because it's Marvel, and I'm just so beaten down by the superhero medium. I mean, I'm not even really excited about, like, the the next two seasons of Invincible or The Boys. Like, they're some of the better superhero fare, but I'm just so over superheroes. I'm just thankful they're good, because I know we'll cover it on the podcast, and so it's a little less of a chore. This felt like going to the theater, it wasn't a chore, because I was hanging out with, like, my friends, Pat, as you guys all know co-host for dom's talking thrones series but it just shouldn't feel like that and i think it's because of like the oversaturation whereas like going to see other movies like i know we're going to be going to see a movie called belfast for our podcast coming up next week and that looks really cool i'm like okay cool something refreshing new i'm pumped i'm excited to go to the theater have not felt that way about a superhero movie in a long time so again we had a little pre-dinner before the movie and we all were like okay we could judge this now or we can go in and be objective and we did we honestly tried Spoiler alert, the movie's terrible. But we tried. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm like, I'm waiting for it. I'm like, I'm waiting for it. I'm like, I'm I'm like, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. When's it going to happen? <laughs> we really tried. We really yeah, tried. Pat gave me his thoughts last night. But yeah, I'm like, yeah. all right, when's it coming? When's it coming? 
So, to be more specific, I think that this movie simultaneously reaches for so much while accomplishing nothing. It's like, I don't know what's going on in 2021, but I feel like I've watched so many movies that are so long, yet nothing happens. Like, Halloween Kills is the the next most recent one, where it's like, nothing happened. That's why it's a perfect trilogy, because the middle movie, they literally did nothing. Yeah. Nothing got accomplished. Crazy. Nothing happened. So of course the third movie is going to be better, just by nature of how terrible the second one was. Eternals was nowhere near as bad, but it was silly. You know, it was really silly. Like I think they didn't justify the Eternals not intervening in Thanos enough because at first it made sense. Okay, these are our rules. This is our mission. We do not interfere. But then as time goes on, we see them breaking those rules time and time again. So really, like, I just think, it, uh, honestly, I think the Eternals are the laziest group of superheroes who are just too busy dating each other. It's like a Three's Company episode, like, like, you know, it's like Three's Company up there. They're just too lazy to interfere, and they just like, oh, we have these rules. That's why we didn't do anything. I don't know. It, it's just, it, it just kept... And you guys take it over from here. Someone jump in. But to me, they had this awesome first act where I was interested. I was engaged. And then they just slowly kept saying like, oh, cool. We established this rule. Let's break it. I've missed this first and foremost. I just, yeah. first, sorry, sorry to cut you off, Matt. I'll let you yeah. go after this, but, but like, oh man, I missed that. I was waiting for that. I'm like, I, I think of all the movies that I've seen so far this year. I'm like, after I watch the turtles, I'm like, okay, this is the one where I need, I need a Chris shit, t- shit, shit. Uh, what's it called? A shit posting here. And oh man, I got it. Matt, take it from here. <laughs> There's a big plot hole. I was, you know, discovering yesterday in my head. I was just like, one? okay, There's another one. There's another one. I noticed <laughs> right out of the theater, but Okay, so are we doing spoilers? Because um, go for it, full send. Yeah, Who cares? Yeah, we got you spoilers. on. It's okay, been a while okay. since we've been live. Anything goes. So the emergence is going to happen, and when Thanos snapped, that postponed it. Shouldn't um, you know, what, what was the thing? Big big guy called I I oh the, the celestial thing TMS the celestial or yeah. yeah. Shouldn't his uh, new task be stop Thanos from delaying the emergence? So. I'm gonna get into that for a bit because, like I said, I like just point. breaking down the plot yeah. of this movie is both simultaneously fascinating and a chore at the same time. Just as far as that goes, so I want to kind of start with basically my, my 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 sorry my overall take and how that kind of goes into like my spoiler filled thoughts and where it kind of I come from the take. I have the take that I came from, which is, so I watched this with a, like you, like you, Chris, a big group of people afterwards. And for the most part, they all pretty much have the same take coming out. They're like, it sucks. This is awful. But I was still thinking about it after I walked out of it. And I'm like, this is probably the most, and I'm still thinking about it a little bit now. And I'm like, this is the most that I thought that I've put into a Marvel movie since probably, I can't really, since probably, I mean, Infinity War and Endgame for different reasons, but since probably Black Panther. And I'm like, but this wasn't a good movie. I know in my heart of hearts that this wasn't a good movie. So why am I still thinking about this? So I guess I kind of, kind of take that into consideration. You got to figure out like kind of what it is that this movie is trying to accomplish, which is ultimately kind of introducing this new kind of group slash subsect of heroes into the MCU, right? Phase four has been all about kind of expanding and bringing in kind of, you know, retro retroactively, like kind of retrofitting the focus of where the MCU was going to go just in general, bringing in all these different new groups, these new kind of sects and worlds, obviously with the Shang-Chi verse, all the Black Widow stuff that's going to come into play. Now we obviously have the Eternals, which is kind of furthering the cosmic stuff that had kind of been set up by Guardians of the Galaxy and the Thor movies, right? So, but that's just like from the base story point. As far as like kind of what this movie is going for, right? I think it's really interesting, first and foremost, that they do hire Chloe Zhao because... Again, like her movies are just so antithetical to like everything that mainstream filmmaking is doing. Mainstream filmmaking is all about, okay, can we be as big as possible or can we be as fast as possible? That's what mainstream filmmaking is today. And Chloe Zhao is the opposite of both of those, right? All of her movies have been, even though like she's got a very Terrence Malick-esque way of filmmaking where all of her movies are very much about like kind of expansive scenery and appreciating the beauty of nature while also having these really incredible like kind of heartfelt, really intimate moments and its characters obviously with Nomadland and then with the film that she did prior to Nomadland The Rider and she's definitely trying to accomplish that here and I could definitely kind of get on board with that because what I will say is that her kind of balancing act that she plays out here between like kind of capturing like this really expansive nature that they're that this movie's ultimately trying to accomplish while also trying to have these intimate moments within these characters that are all kind of completely original and also again 
could potentially pull off a Guardians of the Galaxy in the sense of like, okay, this is a completely new team. We don't know any of these characters. We don't know any of these guys, right? And for the most part, they've got, I would like to think, a really freaking great batch of actors to play these guys. Like, obviously, you know, people have been poking jokes already at the SJW stuff, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But I'm like, yeah, Angelina Jolie, Brian Tyree Henry, Kumail Nanjani, the dude from, um, what's it called, from Train to Busan, two Game of Thrones actors, like Salma Hayek. I'm like, God damn, this is a stacked cast to say the least. And I think ultimately, well, I, I, Chris, I, I, I can't think of a better criticism that you just said, which is where you feel like this movie is both trying so hard to like be like this really expansive think piece, but accomplishing nothing because Again, another one of my friends who I reiterate is not a movie guy at all had literally the exact same thought process. He's like, great cast, surprisingly actually like kind of a good story, but the movie sucked. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly it. And we'll kind of break down more what like kind of why that is. But for my many at least, that's for me at least the biggest disappointment is not that this was just another generic cheap Marvel movie, is the fact that this was a Marvel movie that actually did seem like it was trying to like go for like bigger questions. Like it was trying to do something like a winter soldier or a black Panther where it has this obvious Marvel artifice, but then it actually like kind of does have something a little bit more interesting and discussion worthy underneath the surface. And again, these characters that I think are brought to life by a really, really talented and interesting and different type of actors. Like all these actors are bringing something different to the table. Like, you know, what's it called between the more comedic edges, the more stoic edges, obviously like, um, you know, and this massive balancing act that they're trying to do. But ultimately, I think it's a movie that kind of gets a little bit too ambitious for its own good. It ultimately tries to balance out a little bit too much, Um, you know, kind of a, it tries to balance out like way too much. Like there's way too much going on for a two and a half hour movie. And ultimately, just with how kind of quickly it has to wrap up, it ultimately feels like, OK, we sort of got like this grand epic quest that also had to wrap itself up and now we're sort of being set up like it's i think that obviously the joke here is that every marvel thing is always setting up for the next thing but i'm like for the life of me i'm like i don't know what comes after this movie like i really don't like take it from there like what are your guys thoughts on that yeah i think uh i couldn't disagree with like pretty much everything you just said anymore if i tried because it wasn't cheap it was visually very stunning the problem is i think the cheapness the, the way I would use cheapness might be different than you in the sense that it's just the thing that I think hurt this film the most was the fact that it had to fit the Marvel origin story mold. You know, at this point, I think it's time to change the script. I don't know why we need to keep going back to the original formula because I feel like these characters could have been so so much more compelling if they weren't fighting what I call the equivalent of those demon dogs that we saw in the pilot of um, Lovecraft Country. Yep. It's like... A good hero is defined by his villain, at least in the experiences that I've had reading comics and watching movies and studying film. And I, I just, the even when the one villain gained sentience, they quickly just threw him to the side. And that's my biggest problem with the Marvel origin story since phase one. And the reason I reference phase one is because that's when it was new. It was refreshing. And I also think there was that excitement factor. I'm going to quote Pat here, uh, paraphrase Pat here, rather. He said, you know, the reason why we were okay with the origin story was not just because it was new and not just because it was refreshing, but because it was inspired, right? We had like a young Robert Downey Jr., uh, not young, but a Robert Downey Jr. kind of trying to revive his career from when he was young, sort of coming off a b big problem period in his life and giving such an inspired story to a medium that for a long time was kind of just considered kids fair, like cheap popcorn fair. You know, we got to remember when Iron Man first came out. 2008 superhero movies weren't quite what they were sure you had some success in the form of the toby Maguire spider-man run and of course chris nolan's batman with a few other great films sprinkled in him in between here and there but it wasn't like it is now it wasn't this machine and so it worked back then the origin stories worked back then but i think now it's like we can introduce characters in different ways especially if we know they're all supposed to share this one universe where the things that thanos did were in the same world that the Eternals were in. And, 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 you know, if the Eternals have been around since Mesopotamia, Babylon, uh, you know, the Aztecs, all these different cultures that we saw them have influence on throughout society. Why was it that we got your generic cookie cutter alarm clock goes off late? We roll out of bed, superhero makes a mistake. And we realize it's just like the dumb generic introductory script. It's just like, you know, it, it, it's like, come on, man. Like those weren't exact plot points, but it like, that's what it felt like. It felt like we were introducing Peter Parker for the first time. And like, we know, we know these guys are so much more than that. So you can have an origin story in a different way. And 
to me, the, the, the fact that there was nothing compelling about it made it so boring, even though these characters I wanted to love and I wanted to just be so infatuated with because they're cool on the surface. But then I got to know them and I realized that they weren't fighting for anything, which is so strange because they pretty much are everything. And that's why I really felt the disconnect with this movie. And we'll dive into that and dissect it further. But I want to let Matt get in here. Matt, what's what are your thoughts on some of the stuff we've been throwing out here so far? This movie's kind of weird. Like the beginning of the movie, I'm like, okay, you know, we're starting out a little bit different. Uh, the introduction is a little more grand with these characters. They are gods, right? But then you you get that kind of like generic, you know, we got a couple going on. You got uh, Dane Whitman, kid played by um, Kate, uh, Kit Harrington. You got Cersei. Um, and then it becomes uh, like finding our fellow eternal members. And it's like a weird stretch. The beginning of the movie, I was like, okay, you could go somewhere with this, right? You could you could tell this, you know, this epic historic piece. But can you do this for a whole movie? Will audiences be interested in this whole movie and and just tying it into the MCU? Because then you have to you you have to tie it in somehow with the MCU by you know saying that well, where were you guys at Thanos? And you can't do that before pre Thanos, right? So they had to go after Thanos, fit in with the narrative of Phase Four. I, now I'm just thinking about it. I think this movie would have been better as a series. Yeah. In a sense. I think I'm it would have been, it, it would have worked. It, like you wouldn't have gone from the beginning. It's, it's see that journey throughout history. That would have been better, but it, we got that got sprinkles here and there. And then we got back to the, what's going on after phase four, what's going on after Thanos. And uh, that's where it kind yeah. of fall. And it's such a shame because <laughs> we know what's going on. Like just, just yeah. work them in a little stronger. Like again, it, it, it wasn't seemed, as interesting. No, it wasn't as they, yeah. I mean, yeah. what do you think? What did you think about like the the quote unquote villains? Trash. I mean, <laughs> it's garbage. They, they they really threw it on at the end. I understand in the beginning showing them fighting, but that was pre you know that was pre all that stuff. The demons themselves are not interesting in, in um right here. They're they're just what you call them dogs. They're creatures. They're animals. And then somehow they absorb one of our Eternals throughout the movie. They don't explain why. And then once you get something interesting going on, which I think the uh, the Icarus stuff is pretty cool. It was a bit different. We got a, a twist in the movie, and I kind of I felt like it, even though yeah, it was a twist, but I kind of saw it coming a mile away. Um, you and everyone still, else with a it, everyone, yeah, it was it was pretty obvious uh, the way how he just acting. I knew something was off, but um, I the fact that literally every character in the movie was telling you that he was a traitor up until that point. Yeah, and it was like the motives. Like him and the other guy, you know, they had something against each other. And it was like, okay, there's something here. And then they don't explain it and they show you why. They don't they don't show you. I just like this. This movie has a huge problem of not showing you stuff. Why do these gods care for these people? Did he did he build any connections? Well, Were the certain characters so, they so- build connections? And, and they have love for each other too. Like they have romantic love in this movie. And it's like, where do you get this feeling from? You know what I'm saying? So, so, so. if I can interject, like, yeah, for just a you. bit, as, as far as, because like, I, I hear all that, and like I said, I, I have, I'm, I'm exactly on the same page with you guys as far as where that goes. I guess, kind of my whole thing, so first off, right, so the Eternals existence and kind of their purpose, just in general, because that ultimately kind of serves as kind of the crux and the basis for the story, which is that the Eternals are creations of the Celestials, right, which we have seen in other MCU properties before this, where the, their whole thing is they are sent in order to, like, kind of further the advancements of, uh, like, the advancement and, like, the evolution of life on planets, but the only purpose that it's revealed, obviously, at the end is so that they can just kind of further the creation of new celestials, essentially. It's weird because I even said this. I'm like, at first, I'm like, wait a minute. Isn't that literally just what they did in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? And then I remembered, I'm like, oh, wait, no, Ego is a celestial. So I'm like, okay, so first mm-hmm. off, so they just literally borrowed that entire plot structure from James Gunn, only they tried to put like more of an existential edge to it as opposed to like more of like a personal edge, which is what James Gunn does in every movie. So I'm like, okay, so they do that. So you're taking right kind of the the AI sense of it, right? The the sense of like the creation rebelling against the creator, right? It's like, okay, so we are essentially ro- as as they come to find out later on in the movie, we're essentially robots that have only been created to do this one deed. And then when we've accomplished it, we get our minds wiped and we kind of get 
brought back to the factory and then sent out to like, uh, you know, accomplish the next set of deeds. Right. But their whole thing that they're trying to do here is let's say, oh, we're capable of emotion and therefore we have to stay on the planet in order to like see the advancement through. Right. And the whole thing is, oh, their connection to humanity is what's supposed to provide them right the edge in order to turn on the celestial their celestial guardian essentially and and uh and, and stop the one celestial from waking up and destroying the planet right it's a, already it's incorporating a shit ton of other stuff that we've seen done very poorly in other movies before but we don't really we aren't really actually given any reason as to why they're kind of yeah. connected to humanity we're just kind of told a lot of yeah. stuff in fact it's like i, I think it's funny that you brought up the barry keenan character the druid character because Drew, i think that guy is the biggest missed opportunity that this movie has yeah. because he, for my money, is the best character in the entire movie where he's like, wow, so we're supposed to love and care about these people, but all they do is fight and kill each other, and I could, like, you know, oversee them and protect them, essentially, but you don't want us to do that because of our mission. And it's like, oh, really interesting, fascinating points that are just brought up and then, like, forgotten, like, three seconds later. And I'm like, yeah. what? Like, what is happening I felt, um, I felt the spectacle kind of stepped on the nuance of the storytelling um, in, in many occasions, especially in the first act. I mean, I felt like, okay, cool, like, pretty badass at the gates getting to see what these guys, you know, their moves and what they have in their toolkit, but... We only really needed one. I mean, then we go right into that second one after we get their whole fighting those demon dog things through history one. And I'm like, when are we going to get to sit down and know these guys, you know? Right. But then the problem was, and I don't think it's an issue of pacing because we had a lot of time. And yes, you do walk out asking way more questions than you should, Perp. Oh, Um, yeah. Yeah. but, But my problem was not that, okay, cool. We had like this kind of like out the gate, strong first act. It was a bit clouded in mystery who are they like we're watching them do cool badass things but we don't really know them yet but when they finally got to open their mouths and talked I-, I felt none of them were compelling angelina jolie has never been more flat in my opinion i thought our lead icarus was so boring i couldn't i couldn't bear him he was just god awful the best performance was um the actor who plays john snow whose real name's escaping me right now but kid harrington kid harrington and 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 he's just a setup for another movie that if it's going to be just as boring as this one i don't care like i don't care who he is i haven't gone on reddit or youtube to find out i know someone figured it out i don't care enough after (laughs) watching this movie to learn any more about these characters because i thought they all sucked matt Take it over for a bit. Dom and I kind of started the conversation about the characters. Where, where, where was your head at with all of them? Because I know, I mean, Nick, yeah. Because Matt, I just want to say, like, I, I think I'm I'm very surprised so far, and I know we're only halfway through this podcast, but to hear the way that you react into this movie, because like you've loved a, like a lot more of Phase Four than Dom and I. I think that's pretty. I, easy I to like. Say. I'm okay with Phase Four. I haven't loved. Oh, okay. anything. Yeah, I haven't loved anything. Um, gotcha. And this one is no different here. Um, the cast, to me, I thought they were fine. I thought they were okay with what they brought. Um, like characters like you know Icarus, that I think that's what he just is, like the stoic character. Uh, his delivery was pretty bland. A lot of the um, expediting here was very bland, and especially when you got uh, a movie a couple of weeks back, uh, like Dune, which took their time to expedite and actually did a, a pretty decent job, even though. It was a bit boring, right? It was a bit, you know, but it took the time. It took the class to um, put in that effort. Here, it's it's more of the same. You're seeing stuff in the wall. They're explaining it. Uh, and then you got some characters kind of like explaining to you. Like they were explaining um, to a character that shouldn't be noticed, like not knowing the stuff. Like it was weird, like knowing the plan. And they were going to explain to one of the characters that has um, uh, not the, what's her name? Um, the Ajax character, not Ajax character, the Cersei character. You really think that's a smart idea to explaining what's going to happen to this character who seems kind of more uh, not in line with your plans. But um, going back to um, the whole humanity stuff, it's they're robots. They're legit robots. So how do you make the robots spin um, the gears in this movie? We don't know. We don't know. We see it. We see some scenes, right? Well, I mean, that's supposed There's to be the scenes, whole- but. But that's supposed to be the whole impetus, right? Because we, we see yeah. all these like random, really kind of confusing. Things. I don't love First off, I just love how too Marvel is like Mar- Marvel is so full of itself at this point that they're going out of their way to be like, oh man, we're the first PG thirteen movie to have a sex scene in it. Like try to make it seem like, oh man, we are the end all be all. Like, I constantly <laughs> love how Marvel's constantly trying to rewrite the annals of cinema history, and I see it, and it's like. I've seen that in other PG-13 movies before. Don't yeah. try and 
Don't try and flex like and that. And it's not like they have to rewrite history as far as movies go. They're the highest grossing movie franchise of all time. They've proven I, I it. Really, I really don't get it. It's, it's like they're they're never satisfied. They constantly feel like they have to control like every aspect of pop culture. And I don't know if that's just where I what the like the internet effect of it, or it's just them. But I just you have these random sequences of death, just them like kind of like again, just like having sex and like romantically like falling in love with each other across these like grand backdrops. And I'm like, what is this Titanic? Like, what the hell are these scenes even? Just here the for? emotions. Like, like where yeah, does this come from? Right. But you and, know like, what? Just, you know what? Even when we got those emotions, they weren't justified. They oh. were sometimes cut short. There was yeah. no reasoning behind them when they randomly popped up. I mean, I just can't believe that this is the director of the year. <laughs> this is her next film. It yeah. feels very messy. It feels very all over the place. And I'm going like, to get into movie, that in a bit. But. Yeah, for a movie like Nomadland, which say what you will about it, I mean, that was a heart-wrencher. I know it's, it's also a very... Um, I'd say maybe highly polarizing film in regards to the way people have reacted to it. Some either love it, some either hate it, at least as far as the, the circles and reviews I've seen. But at least the emotions were clear enough to give people those types of reactions where they felt strongly one way or another and they could justify their reasoning behind the way the movie made them feel like... I I feel like I'm grasping at straws to try and justify my feelings here, which is so strange because we have how many movies and, and miniseries now leading up with with tie-ins that should just be given emotional attachment and given plot points, which then it it's like almost easier if you think about it. We're in this universe where so much tragedy has happened. So now how do we bring the best out of what we've seen happen with new characters? And how do you it's mess the, that up? It's the um in this movie with the emotions, I didn't feel anything. I legit didn't feel anything with these characters. I wasn't attached with these characters, but when you got those moments, like the God, I'm blanking on Athena and Gilgamesh. I was like, okay, yeah. that's that's something. Cut short. It's not even and, the main attraction see, I, of the I movie. I attribute that much more so to the performances by the actors than they're what good, they're actually yeah. given to work with. Because I right. do still stand by this is a great batch of actors. Like I, yeah, yeah but it's a great batch of actors, but they're all so flat. I mean that that relationship, yeah. Matt, could have been something. I mean his literal his literal sacrifice to potentially be killed by the goddess of war at any point in time, just because they've been through so much together and they care so much together, only translates to me because I went to film school. I know how to dissect and read a script. They did not impart that on me by any means. Yeah, it was so flat. Of you, get, you get you get stuck with the kind of like the boring Cersei and Icarus um, love triangle with Dane Whitman. They didn't care for at all. Cared for so you little know. they left it behind after the first twenty minutes of the movie. Right. But they were trying to by the end of the movie, they were trying to make that the main thing, right? Once were you get they? that big act. Well, 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 I didn't well, even well, were. The they had that, that was the whole decision. Right insert maybe, which literally came out of nowhere and is yeah. problematic to say the least. That was that was that was very odd. I didn't like that. I didn't like I didn't like that character in general. I don't like majority of his character. My favorite ones, just to stop by to say, is Icarus. Um, I liked him just for um I, I know the obvious reasons why. Um like the, what's his name? Um, Jurek. Jurek was Jurek, good, and then you yeah. got the 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 speedster. I'm blanking on her Macari. name. Makari. Makari. She was cool. You don't see much of her. She's Most underutilized kid. Marvel character I've ever seen. Yep. Yeah, and I think yep. I mean I think, what? Yeah, and, and the, some of the speed stuff was amazing because usually in these movies, superhero movies, you know, you get the slow down time when they're cool. It's funny when you see Quicksilver running around doing all that stuff. But her actions were legit. The way how they did it was like. Her skipping and like over places. I was like, that's amazing. You only see this character like in the third act. And I thought that the, was disappointing. Yeah. The thing about this one is it has all of the visual elements that you would expect from a Marvel film. It's also very expertly shot. I mean, Chloe Zhao it knows is, how to yeah. make a film look nice, obviously. But it's just so strange that that's usually like the icing on the cake for most audience members. I know I'm a bit different, but I do understand that like, the reason people, in my in my opinion, based off what I've seen and, and the conversations I've had, the reason people really love Tom Holland's Spider-Man is because of the way he embodies the character. And then it has the machine behind it that makes all the action sequences look amazing, gives you those popcorn moments, the spectacles there. But that's the icing on the cake. Whereas all this film really had, to me, if we're talking about like looking at it through the lens of Marvel, because that's honestly all it has. It has nothing else aside from the lens of Marvel, which just speaks to how bad it is, but is the icing elements, the icing of the cake. Where's the actual cake, though? I feel like we're missing mm -hmm. so much here. 
Yeah, yeah, so as far as kind of my interjection and thoughts on the character before we get into some of the behind-the-scenes things, because, again, there were, there are a lot of behind-the-scenes things that are not being talked about a lot by the mainstream audience, which is that, for my money at least, I think that kind of... So just as far as like kind of how the structure things, right? Because this, th- this thing is literally like, again, I think it's ironic that I pointed out that this movie would have been so much, but not necessarily so, but like so much better if it had like a Zack Snyder or a Denny Villeneuve, somebody who really did like have a sense for like directing visual flair, but not like visual flair just for like, you know, like CG stuff, like directing like visual flair in a way that like complements the characters in the story, which as we know is something that Snyder specializes in. Like you watch a Snyder movie because you know that the visuals are going to be so complementary towards the characters in the story and really kind of accentuate it in a way that's kind of separates it from a lot of the other kind of spectacle fare. Same thing with the, with uh, Denny Villeneuve. But obviously, needless to say, those two directors wouldn't direct a Marvel movie if they were literally on their deathbeds. But, um, so that's problem number one. And I think it's ironic too because this movie is literally mimicking the structure of Watchmen where you have this team that's been separated for God only knows how long, right? Obviously a lot longer than the Watchmen team. All of a sudden, their leader turns out to be dead and that kind of, along with kind of like the emergence of like this old foe potentially and that's kind of the impetus to bring the team back together. And at the end, they kind of like have to put aside their differences in order to take down like this gigantic threat, obviously in a lot more of a traditionalist sense than Watchmen does. But, you're right. As far as some of the pacing does, I think it's interesting that I'm well, not inter- interesting in a bad way that typically in a team up movie like that, you want to have at least your entire team together, at least by like the beginning of the second act. Right. This movie, Brian Terry Henry's character, Fastos, I don't even think is introduced until like the hour and a half mark, like of uh, the hour and a half of like a two and a half hour movie. Like you don't even meet like Kuma and then Johnny's character until like. 45 to 50 minutes into the movie. So that's just one instance of like how the pacing goes all over the place. And as far as like kind of the balance act between the cast, I'm not going to say that I hated every single one. Like I said, I actually really did like a decent amount of them. Like I liked Kumail Nanjiani. I liked Brian Terry Henry. I really dug Barry Keegan in this movie in a way that like I really haven't in a lot of his other movies. And like I did in the sense, like kind of, I did I mean, I may just be grasping at straws here, but I really did like kind of seeing the team like together. And like, I wanted more of that. Like I really did. And I don't know if that's just me grasping at straws, wishful thinking, but like this is an instance where I'm like, man, this is probably the first thing that I've seen in a while that really does make me want to go and like write a better version of this, where we actually get to see these characters together, bonding together, fighting together. Like, so we were told a million and a half times throughout this movie that these guys are a family. Like literally, like I, think family was dropped more times in this movie than it was in a fast and furious movie it was honestly kind of insane and i'm like okay where are the scenes that are actually like having these guys spend time together right i personally like i don't get offended by a whole lot of stuff that i see just in general just because i think that people just get too offended just in general by what they see but the scene where it's revealed that the reason why brian tyree henry kind of checked out from the team and from humanity like the druid character again the most interesting character in the entire movie for me and his kind of motivation and explanation is actually i think really pretty good kuma and johnny's whole thing i actually think is pretty underrated i actually think that he was surprisingly good and like actually managed to make like a decent amount of the comedy work in that movie but when you see that brian tyree henry is the guy who like allowed humanity to have invented the atomic bomb i'm like how the fuck did Marvel let that into a movie? Like, how did that pass? Because I was just, I literally, I heard my guy next to me, one of my friends be like, what the fuck? I'm like, oh I my know. God. It was that too was, much after a while. That was ridiculous. That it was, was, I mean, this is already a very far, far-fetched and reaching, in my opinion, type of plot line. That it's, it all just got to be too much after a while. So, I actually have one 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 question I want to ask you guys uh, yeah. before we just beat the dead horse of the characterizations because I think we're all on the same page with it. And it seems like the chat also, for the most part, is uh, sharing similar sentiments. But before we do that, guys, please uh, give a like on this video. Hit that little bell so you get notified every time we post content and go live. And of course, hit the red subscri- subscribe button. It would really mean a lot. Also, for our guest, Basic Entertainment, type that little thing you see right under his name into the YouTube search bar. Click subscribe. Follow him, please, very much so. He's a great friend of the channel, great friend of ours, and he needs your support. He's got a great channel. You guys should go and watch his content. I'm sure most of you do, but if you're just stumbling upon this video by uh, you know the blessings of the YouTube algorithm gods, please subscribe to our channel and Matt's. We'd very much so appreciate it. Speaking of Matt, I want to turn this point over to him first, and then we'll run it through Dom, and I'll take it last since I'm bringing it up here. Let's talk about 
now we have this whole batch of new, in my opinion, boring-ass characters that we get to see fit into this new phase for the MCU. Like, I want to I wanna have a serious, deep conversation here about, like, now that we've seen so much of phase four and, and now that we've seen the Eternals, like, where are we going and are we excited after seeing this movie? You know, Matt, take, take it away, man. <sighs> for Eternals... Not really. I mean, there's two characters that I am interested in seeing as Thena and um, Dane Whitman. One not being an official Eternal. Um, no, I, I really don't care about the Eternals. I never, I never did. Um, you know, the funny thing about it is that the comics themselves are not strong. This is this is the, probably the best interpretation of the Eternals, and that's that's saying Damn, a lot for the that's, yeah. That, wow, that's that savage. doesn't get much comment. That's that's crazy to hear. But well, it's hard too for you then, Matt. Like how how they fit into the <laughs> overall MCU going forward because they're going to play a big role. Now, I I do feel like this movie does open the gate. Of course, they of- are. They're 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 literally the most powerful beings that exist. Every every yeah. new phase, there's a new most powerful being. So last phase, it was like Doctor Strange and Thanos. Now we have these guys. Like, of course, they're going to be a big part. I, I think I think the- it's foolish to say they're not. The MCU chases yeah. the Big Bang. You I know, think the they characters- chase the snap, and these guys will the- offer us that next moment. I think the Eternals themselves. They're not as I mean, they're powerful, right? There's some characters here and there. One one gets hit by a rock by the end of the movie. I thought was very cheap. Um, that, <laughs> that was that was hilarious. I didn't like that. That I was horrible. Really laughed hard, but in like an ironic way. That was actually really funny. <laughs> that was cheap, but I think the Celestials add that stuff. They're like the people who made the the world. They made the galaxy. They made the, all that stuff. I was like, okay, that's the stuff I'm intrigued with. Uh, where they, they could take it, who knows? That's the stuff I think that was the biggest positive. Seeing the Celestials. Those scenes himself were like epic when you got the I'm blanking on his name, big celestial guy. I know its name, just don't Oh Arishem. Arishem, there we go. Arishem, when he's like just talking and he's like, you get the character right there, and he's like big and epic and skull. I was like, that's awesome. But I'm not, you know, you're here for the celestial, but the main title is Eternals. The Eternals himself didn't didn't hold no weight for me. Uh, yeah, if I'm expected to answer this question, no. This movie gave me yeah. no source of anticipation as far as caring about what the Eternals are going to do going forward, uh, especially because at the end of the day, it's like, wow, so we're not even supposed to be concerned with what they're going to do on Earth because this is, with the way that this movie ends, it's like, so these guys, they they put the Celestial to sleep, so now the ones that are left alive, right? So one flew into the sun, which I'm like, okay, he's not dead. He's literal Superman. He's not dead. Uh, Chloe Zhao, I love how too this movie even went out of its way to reference is like, wow, they're literally just calling him Superman in this movie. And this, and also this being like Marvel's attempt in order to like kind of jump on the evil Superman bandwagon that the boys kind of started. I'm like, okay, Marvel, you, you, you keep telling yourself that. And then it's like, okay, three of them get like kidnapped by the lead celestial. The other three are just traveling to other <laughs> planets to find other celestials. And also, by the way, I still think that of all of the things that this movie bent over backwards in order to try and expect us to believe, I still think the biggest hurdle that they have to overcome is expecting us to believe that Harry Styles is Thanos' brother. Like, that was the whole big thing that, like, got, like, dropped, like, a week before this is Harry Styles is playing Thanos' brother. I'm like, what? What? And I checked. I'm like, oh, he's the Arrow Star Fox character. And then, obviously, you have the big introduction from Patton Oswalt in the post credit scene. And it's like, oh, introducing the brother of Thanos. I'm expecting, like, you know, somebody who at least looks like Thanos, you know? Because that's the whole big thing that was hinted is that, like, Thanos has connections that go to the Celestials and the Eternals. And he walks in, and it's just Harry Styles. And I'm like, and everyone's losing their mind around me. And I'm like, I, I don't care. It's Harry Styles. I, I don't care at all. What I will say that this movie did, though, is this movie did make me, as a writer, want to go because I did... Of Chris, I get where you're coming from with the characters, but I think that there was enough of, as far as like, like kind of, of that, I thought there was enough kind of good, interesting stuff within these characters that I did want to kind of like write a mini series treatment of this movie that would actually utilize these characters to the best of their ability and actually like kind of make this story. Because I'm like, look, we literally saw this utilized perfectly two years ago with the Watchmen miniseries that came out. You know, yeah. and I'm like, if they could do that, I'm like, we could easily get like a 10 episode miniseries, one that focuses on each of these characters so that we get to know them in a really rich and interesting way, get to know their backstories, get to know their history and motivations. Right. And then see them come together all while continuing in with the plot. It would like it's so crazy. It's literally the opposite. It's like of the two instances where they most fucked up. It's like Falcon and the Winter Soldier should have been a movie and this should have been a, t- a, a miniseries easily. I couldn't uh, agree did- more with. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. 
No, um, just want to say, I, I actually enjoyed the Icarus storyline. I, I thought it was, in my opinion, that kind of like they had that moment where he's going against, you know, your Flash, your Wonder Woman, just to compare it. Um, I thought also it was, the fact that this is literally Marvel's version of the Justice League. Like, like it really is. Yeah, it let's is. be honest but, here. Let's be honest here. Like, it really is, and that's why I brought up. The, yeah. <laughs> that's why I brought up this point because you know they make the comparison of Icarus to Superman. Clearly, these these beings are you know they're celestial, they're cosmic. That we know that that's the part of the MCU that has the most overarching, uh, let's call them stakes. Even though I, I really begrudgingly use that word when talking about the MCU since Phase Two, let's call them stakes. You know they 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 come attached to the elements of the MCU that impact the majority of the decisions that then follow is what I'm trying to say, right? What happens in the cosmic then trickles all its way down into the earth and all the other, the lesser of the heroes, you know, Dr. Strange knows what's going to happen. Then it affects everyone else type of thing. I know it's not an exact detail, but that type of mentality. So that's why I say like, how do we see them being utilized and are they important? I know they're important going forward, but does this movie rather make them feel important? They tried, they tried to say he was Superman and you know, like, uh, Another thing about them too, it's like they're 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 gonna come back. They're androids. They can just be rebuilt. That's the thing about them that's right. so cheap as well. So the fact that we're not even emotionally invested into them, sure, yeah, he flew into the sun. That version of him might be dead. But you ever watch Dragon Ball Z? The androids just keep coming back because they're machines. You just keep building yeah. them. They were yep. built somewhere in a factory. And they get destroyed and then they get remade and they go to another planet. Like these guys aren't going away for better or for worse. All those actors still have their jobs and it just makes it so cheap. And it's already was kind of cheap, but it's just sad now that I just could care so less about them when I know how important they're going to be going forward. It might not happen right away. We'll have to get through Multiverse of Madness first. We'll have to get through a few other films, but I guarantee you, like, Phase 5, these guys are going to be up there with Doctor Strange and Captain Marvel and, you know, the Guardians, all those cosmic dwellers just making big decisions and impacting things, and I really hope they work on the characterizations. Not to Because mention- it's pa- yeah, pathetic right mention- now. Sorry, go ahead. Mention the fact that you're right about the androids. They were what? This is like the latest iteration as far as how Marvel has been able to cheat death. Obviously, first with like again, you have this gigantic like jaw dropping like super dark finale at the end of Infinity War that's almost immediately undone through time travel, and then oh no, you have time variants for these characters that you know are staying dead, so you can still get like these versions of Loki and Gamora and everything. And like you said, Vision's an android, right? And now they just literally took the Vision logic and applied that to this whole new batch of characters. Even though you get like two of the Eternals, do not walk away from this movie alive. Famously, we uh, famously Ajax, the Samaya character, the leader, and Gilgamesh, uh, the Don Lee character, fam- die in this movie. But again, like they're androids, we know that they can come back, right? And I just I wanted to bring it back to the Devia. Two, two points that I thought were just so bad, but literally made me laugh at how bad they were in hindsight. The fact that the Deviants like gaining sentience, where you're right, the Deviants are literally the equivalent of the White Walkers. Eric, I know you brought that point up earlier, where they these weapons that are designed by the Celestials in order to like, you know, test the people of the planet originally. And then they ended up getting out of hand ultimately. So they created the Eternals to like combat them. And then... Um, what's it called? And then they, they, it turns out that they can gain sentience by like absorbing the Eternals' powers, which is like kind of creates this interesting synergy. And then they get wiped out like immediately, which again is another instance of Marvel kind of almost stumbling accidentally onto something vaguely interesting on a story point and then immediately wiping it out because we ha- we're Marvel and we have to move on to the next thing. And also, <laughs> this is just a personal point that I noticed that I'm like, wow, Kumame Johnny literally just dips. For the finale. He literally yeah. just sits the finale out. And I don't think I've ever seen another instance of a character in a Marvel movie doing that. Where they're literally like, oh, I'm, I'm just sitting this one out. Bye. And just yeah, He really offered nothing. I mean, nothing. it's so it was, unfortunate. It's kind of baffling, ultimately. Like, I'm like, he, was, wow. uh, he was the MCU character in this movie. Out of all the characters, I feel like he was the most... Um, yeah, well, he's, MCU, he's, the, like, he's the humor. He's the he's the he's, he's the, the humor. Character. And I thought it was fine. I thought it was right. fine. I thought the cameraman that was cool. You know, it was a little. They try a little bit more here, yeah. him and the posters in the background. I thought it wasn't. It wasn't like cheap throwaway jokes here. They tried a little bit more with the jokes, and I thought that was fine. But his character actually, it's it's weak that he just did. But I kind of I kind of liked it because it didn't become the laugh when it happened. It, he dips. I, I like it, but I don't like the. I, I um I like I actually do like the whole you know it doesn't become a generic 
oh, I'm looking at the world getting destroyed, you know, destroyed. I need to go out there no matter what. That we've seen that so many times. So for him, his character to you know leave, I actually enjoyed. I actually thought it was cool. For because me personally, he, because the, yeah, he yeah. agreed with Icarus, but he didn't agree with the way how he was doing it. How he, right. the way how he went about it. Right, exactly. And like yeah. I said, it brought up interesting points. It's like I just for it me that, that was that was the single funniest part of the movie. Like I like in hindsight, like realize I'm like, wow, Kumail Johnny literally just sat out the last third of this movie. Like that gave me some hard chuckles, but not in a good way. Now let's yeah, bring it down. Well, for- hang on, because I want to ch- comment on Matt's sort of the uh, ideological clash here. There could have been so many more interesting moments, like you know, his character sitting it out, not agreeing with the way Icarus was going about it. And to be honest with you, it wasn't even even that strong of a characterization it was just one of the only real characterizations that i felt was worthy of my my ticket price so i i accepted it and i was like okay this still feels very poorly handled there's no way they could have written this guy in for the finale i mean he's a badass fighter i really enjoyed watching him in those scenes early on in the film but if it's something i'll take it because at this point the movie hasn't given me given me much which is just so sad, such a star-studded cast, such an amazingly acclaimed director. Really yeah, I mean, right. it's just... And I want I want to oh, break man. that down a bit real quick before we get out of here, because like I said, we are pretty much at the end, but I feel like these points and, and like the behind-the-scenes stuff with this movie are not being talked about nearly enough, and I think that they really do factor in heavily, which is that this is the first Marvel instance... I was telling this to Matt before we got in the stream, Chris. I don't know how familiar you were with this, but this is the first Marvel instance in a while, probably since Age of Ultron, where there was a very, this was a very troubled production. Very, very troubled production, just behind the scenes in general. I So, because here's the, here's the instance, right? So, Chloe Zhao gets hired for this movie before, after she's done finishing Nomadland, right? But before she wins the Oscar. But the edit for this movie happens after she wins the Oscar. And the whole thing that's established here is that, so we're obviously familiar with Marvel's shooting schedule and and everything. And I was explaining to Matt, and I'll explain it to the audience now, where Marvel, every time you hear about the Marvel reshoots in general, they're not actually reshoots, because Marvel, what they do is, in addition to Chris, I've told you about how they pre-visualize and have all their previs visual effects done before they even bring on the director. Marvel, also, they are such a literal machine at this point that they have an entire extra like three months of reshoots that they have allotted in their schedule before they're even done with the production of the movie in order to like kind of buy factor in the audience test screenings in order to like, you know, kind of polish up some more of the comedic bits and throw that insert. And what's interesting here, like I said, the big takeaway is that I believe that Chloe Zhao requested her own edit as opposed to the traditional Marvel edit without the reshoots. Like, this is the first instance since Age of Ultron where Kevin Feige himself actually had to come to the set. And, like, every time, like, the whole running joke is that if you know that if Kevin Feige himself has to come to the set, there are problems going on. Like, Joss Whedon, in his book, in the MCU book that got released, famously made a joke. It's like, oh, man, Kevin, I see you down here all the time. You know, what's the problem? And then he kind of realizes, like, oh, wait, am I the problem? Just in general, because obviously we know that Age of Ultron is famously a very, very troubled shoot. So I'm not going to try and, like, kind of use that as an excuse for the movie's problems, because let's face it, like, if we do that, we're literally going to be poking problems at literally every single production at least in this day and age but like i definitely yeah, I don't have enough really- time for that right now yeah but like, <laughs> I but like i definitely think that that's really interesting as far as that goes because they, it's one of these instances where it's like the behind the scenes stuff with the mcu has famously not really been that talked about since kind of the last major instance which was obviously famously edgar wright leaving ant-man and obviously there was a little bit of the stuff with um with, with the with captain marvel where anna Bowden and ryan flecker brought on in that movie kind of literally only to like make brie larson look cool in the 90s and like the red like captain marvel like a big reason why a lot of people don't like that movie is because because it really does feel like a movie made by committee. I guess I don't really, I don't really know necessarily how it uh, it makes how that movie feels more made by committee than others. But like, I guess in some instances, like for me at least, why this feels a little jarring as opposed to previous Marvel instances. I it definitely like does make sense because again, this does feel like something that was a lot more troubled behind the scenes than may have been that than certain other like better Marvel properties just in general. I don't know. What's your guys' take on that? I mean, obviously, this movie doesn't look like a generic Marvel movie. So that was a... Uh, right. You know, that also goes into Chloe Zhao's thing, too, because her both big thing, too, is she did not want to shoot this movie primarily in front of green screens the way that most other Marvel movies are. And I think it looked awesome. I think for the most part, I think that's the way to go. They have the money to do stuff like that. It's just uh, the time and effort and what, for them 
do they want to put the money down for it? I think right here they took that risk of doing it. So the production wise, I thought it was good. But at the end of the day, man, the script matters the most and that execution has to come in clean. I would actually compare it to um Captain Marvel because I was just thinking about Captain Marvel has like a, a, a kind of like a what do you want to say, like a Jason Bourne plot structure where you know this character, our main uh, protagonist is losing her memory. She has previous life, all that stuff, but the execution for that movie was poor uh, because you don't get no attachment to the characters. You don't get attachment to the relationships. Same thing here. You see, you, I think you see it more clear in this movie and it had better um, stuff to say, but the execution uh, just flat out just dropped. And um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what more can I say that you guys haven't? It's, I don't know. I think... <laughs> If there was problems, sure, um, but you know Marvel has a machine going. You, you know they they have a system here. If if anyone can avoid the problems, it should be them. <laughs> and I guess it, it just goes to show, like money it's clear can't in fix all problems, but it yeah. is clear. I think Marvel does do a good job and a smart job of not allowing their problems to become sort of the tabloids. You know, because I really think that would cheapen and hurt the brand. I think that's a part of why the brand has stayed yeah. has stayed so strong for so long. But like the, the fans why know, so many people have problems with DC too. Like yeah, exactly they, it, why because. Yeah. Because they buy into the they buy into the bad mouthing, they buy into the rumors, mm -hmm. the gossip, and it steps on the toes of the the creators and the movie, and the and, and that's not what we, that's yeah. not what you hope people consume art for. But like I think I've heard Matt say this many times, like the fans know when they know, and like we you know we, we can sense the problems. So yeah, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, it's sad. I think there was a lot of potential here, and I think for me, someone who actually was like excited for the first time about marvel this time last year going into phase four looking at the you know the slate and saying we have so much new ground to explore so much new areas so, so much new territory to like you know just stick our teeth into and and this is what we've been doing with it i don't know i don't know maybe it's just not for me though you know what i mean yeah, definitely. Ultimately. So final thoughts and star ratings before we get into it. And also real quick, I wanted to, um, yeah, Chris, uh, Captain Marvel would be my least favorite. I think it's all right. I still like Captain Marvel. I know a lot of people don't. I, I it's not the best MCU movie, but I, I don't think that it's, I don't think it's as bad as people say that it is ultimately. Um, yeah. So I was actually going to ask that, Eric, thank you for bringing it up. Um, I'll go first for me. This is my least favorite MCU movie. This is my least favorite MCU movie. Worse than Thor, the dark world. Yeah. Yeah, I said it. I like Thor the Dark World, Doctor Strange, uh -oh, I, oh, the Iron Man sequels. I like it all better than this one because even though He's just the, wrong. the ambition <laughs> for this, I don't care. I'm dying on this hill. I don't care because for me, this is the biggest swing and miss that Marvel has had in a while. Just everything I feel that they set out to accomplish just ultimately fell flat. The movie is so boring outside of it. It just completely bungles any sort of a message that it has. Sure, the visuals, I guess, are kind of good. But for me, like I said, it just ultimately I went in really excited and really interested to see something kind of different. And yeah, it just missed the mark on all instances because at the very least, it's boring as Thor the Dark World is, at the very least, that gives us the Thor and Loki stuff. And at the very least, that movie is like a competently made movie. This, I guess, is a competently made movie, sure, but like, what what is the story? Where does it go ultimately? You know, like mm. there's just nothing here for me as far as that goes because, it, like you said, Chris, everything that they try ultimately just feels so lifeless and hollow, given what it is that they are actually doing. So yeah, that that's why ultimately for me this is easily my least favorite Marvel movie that I've seen easily. Yeah, fair enough. For me, it's definitely like lower tier. I think Black Widow's the worst, in my opinion. But Not this, close, this but. is, uh, this is, this might just be right above it. I mean, Phase Four is really striking out on a whole new level. What came to mind was that terrible, like Iron Man Christmas movie failure, uh, the third one. Iron That's Man also a, a pretty terrible one in my mind. Uh, but it's like it's up there with those ones, which are already. So listen, if those ones are low for like, just so the audience knows for like Dom and Matt, imagine how much lower they are for me because yeah. of how I already <laughs> feel about Marvel. You know what I mean? So yeah. just imagine that this is sitting down there with that. And yeah. Okay. The craft was there obviously, but that was never going to be a question. I mean, Chloe Zhao knows how to make the fundamentally, she knows how to make a strong film, but I think it clearly shows that there are kinks in her armor because what happened with this plot, this writing, the storytelling, Anyways, uh, 
I can just go on for for days about this one, but I I feel so burned and let down. I mean, 2021 is the year of can I get my money back from movie tickets? Because that's really how I feel. Um, Matt, what about you, man? Where's this rank before we do the final star ratings and scores? Um, middle of the road. Um, I appreciate the ambition, uh, the ambition here. Um, I'll take this any day, all day, twice a day than Ant Man and Wasp. Which really, oh man, I watched Ant Man and the Wasp in a heartbeat over this movie. Cookie cutter. It's fun to watch, but I'm not. I don't go for movies for like fun. I want to go for that cinematic experience. That oh, stuff you, man. you got, go out the movie for the I, wrong reason. Then my friend. Hey, this movie had a little bit of that, you know, thought-provoking stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm actually sitting here and thinking about, you know, some of the actions and some of the stuff they're doing. Uh, but yeah, middle of the road. Um, I don't think it's better than Shang-Chi. It's for sure better than Black Widow. Uh, but yeah, it's middle of the road. It's not the worst thing I've seen from Marvel, but it's not the best thing. It's just, it's okay. And that's disappointing because this is the movie that I was going to take those strides from the marketing, from the, the trailers, from the way how... Feige's been talking about it. This, oh my God, this is, they, they were stunned. They, the people in the, in Disney were stunned. They was like, we're going to put this in Oscar uh, talks. For what it was reaching that high, it, it does the strike Bro, out. Bro, I wouldn't even put this, I wouldn't even put this in the visual effects discussion. And I'm always in favor. I'm like, okay, no, at yeah. the very least, Marvel movies usually deserve the visual effects nomination that they get. But I wouldn't even put it in that because I'm not going to lie. Those yeah. Deviant effects were probably some of the worst MCU effects I've seen since that final act of Black Panther. And that final act of Black Panther was awful as far as those go. But yeah, so final star ratings, we pretty much all gave our final thoughts. For me, two out of five. Easily, two out of five. Chris? Yeah, one out of five. I will pull no punches with that score. You never do. Matt? Uh... Tricky here. Tricky. I'm gonna... I might actually go watch it today again with some, some pals. Well, right You're now, stronger than I am. <laughs> I'm not, hey, I'm I'm not more, giving myself. I'm not giving myself even the slightest of a chance to be like, oh, I was actually kind of good. No, not at all. Uh, I'm looking at right now what the MCU vision, right? Um, I'm more of a fan, of course, um, than you guys. But I, I, I've been noticing the problems even more with these movies. I've been like, okay, where's that joke going to come? Like, I, I'm, I'm really growing with my mind and just the way how these movies are made. It's and spending stuff. too much time with us. That's what it is. <laughs> a little bit of that. But just watching more movies in general, um, which I need to start doing it even See? more. <laughs> I still, I still love my, you know, my blockbusters. Don't get me wrong. But um, I'm gonna, I'll go with a, uh, I'll go with three out of five. All right. All right. Sounds good. Like I said, I feel like that gives all of our all of our kind of thoughts just yeah. overall in general. Matt, it was so awesome having you back on, dude. We got to have you Seriously. back on. Well, I, I am going to have you back on. Obviously, when oh, we yeah. do the Spider-Man rankings video, we're going to rank every Spider-Man movie uh, b- beforehand going into Spider-Man No Way Home ultimately. And I will I will reemphasize that I am a Marvel fan, just not of anything <laughs> that they've really done in phase four. But I, I am very again. I was there every single time an MCU movie came out. Chris can tell you the stories about me in Duchess back when Civil War initially came out and me thinking that that was the greatest movie since sliced bread. Trust me, I am an MCU fan. Just not of anything that they've really done post Endgame. So that is our review of Marvel's Eternals. What did you guys think? What are your thoughts? Are we crazy? Did you guys agree with us? Did you not agree with us? If you did like this movie, please let us know in the comments why below. If you did not like this movie, please let us know why in the comments below. We are very, very much looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Matt, where can the good people find you online? Just let them know once again. <laughs> you guys can follow me for all that geeky stuff, all the stuff that um are not too unfavorable with these guys, these gentlemen right here, these two guys right here. But um, you guys can, of course, follow me at Basic Entertainment on YouTube. I cover all things geeky. I have different YouTuber um, YouTube channels come in. They have conversations. We all we do all that stuff. Having some big stuff coming to the channel next month. I'm so excited for it. Uh, I think it's for me. I think this is something that I think the fans are going to be interested in watching. Um, and also to base in town, Instagram, and now on TikTok. So convenient for me, busy schedule, flip on the camera, do the TikTok, And that's where the money's at right now with TikTok. Sad to say it is true, but I am bulging in. I think I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I have my little flavor in there, but that's all fun. So of course, base entertainment, cover all things geeky. You guys are always welcome to join in and have your own opinions and, course shout out to dom and chris for inviting me here on the channel it's been a minute and this was fun absolutely chris of course where can the good people find you on the interwebs 
Yeah, man. You guys can find me at all the same places that Matt is available at Christian Ivanko. Ivanko spelled E V A N K O. I make music, which you can find through all those little links in the bios, the descriptions, the about sections, whatever. You guys know the deal. We're all trained by the algorithm, whatever platform's algorithm it is at this point. So please go follow me there at my music's on Spotify, Apple, Google, YouTube. Uh, SoundCloud and many more to name a, to just to name a few. Um, so I'd really appreciate you listening to it, checking it out. Let me know what you think. Send me a message. You know, give me a follow. Let me know what you think. I'd really appreciate that. Also, thank you again so much. I know Dom said it, Matt, but we appreciate you being here. And it's always great to hang out and chat. And that we'll get, we'll definitely be getting back to that. I'm excited for you guys. Spider Man ranking. I can't wait to watch that. Of course, AJ reacts That's to will be joining you guys. And thank you to the chat. It has been fun, Eric, and we always appreciate you guys all coming out, Perp and everyone else for dropping by. So yeah, with that being said, guys, before we let you go, you got to go follow my co-host who I hope to God will just take his sarcasm out of our private texts and back into the world sooner than later. Dom, where can they find you, man? Well, I mean, again, the only thing that I really do post on my Instagram is like occasional posts of like vacation and like if I ever do anything like new and usually of of haircuts. And I did recently get a haircut. I don't know if you guys could really see just in general, but I, I did shop chop off all my hair recently. I needed something new. So <laughs> that post is currently posted on my Instagram page. Hopefully there'll be more sarcastic posts if I have any more thoughts of inspiration. I've just been super busy lately behind the scenes just with everything going on in my real life. But of course, you can keep up to date with me at movie nerd reviews on facebook and instagram and of course be sure to follow the the main podcast socials on facebook and instagram at talking tv podcast where we post every single day twice a day to give you the people the content that it is that you deserve also be sure to click the subscribe button click the like button click the bell next with that way you guys get notified every time we put up new content we've only got what less less than two months left in the year it's kind of crazy, crazy how fast 2021 has gone by but from myself from chris from matt as always people remember 12 seasons in a short film and watch more fucking movies we'll see you guys next time <laughs>